Ow. Well, uh, as the Archbishop and Primate of the Anglican Church in North America, it's great to be here and be with all of you all. Uh, thank you, Drew, for the invitation. It's great to see you and Leon. Um, by the way, if uh, you want some secrets on Pastor Drew, um, I spent a week with him last summer in the Colorado Rocky uh, backpacking, and uh, I can tell you some stories. Um, but Leon, did you just say that you were an introvert? I don't understand. <laughs> anyway, it's great to be here. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word this morning, we ask that you would come in the power of your spirit. Come speak to us. Help each of us hear this day what you want us to hear. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first, let me say it's great to be back uh, here in Atlanta. Um, actually, just a few weeks ago, um, I was at the uh, Cook Peace Park. Uh, I don't know if any of you all heard about uh, the unveiling of the Martin Luther King Jr. statue there. I was asked to, to pray and be a part of that. It was a very special time. But Alice and I, we don't live far from here, but we grew up um, in Atlanta. I was actually born in Piedmont Hospital, and uh, she was born in Crawford Long, uh, which I think is now Emory, Hosp- Emory Crawford Long or something like that. Um, personally, I lived in Sandy Springs until my parents got divorced when I was eight, um, and then living with my mother, as, as the courts gave custody of us to my mom, we, I basically lived on the streets right out here. Um, uh, she was what was called a hippie, and uh, we did all kind of wild stuff uh, right, here, right here on these streets. But um, as a 10- and 11-year-old child, uh, I literally rode the bus all over the city of Atlanta doing crazy things. Um, when my mother was arrested uh, on my 12th birthday, um, I spent some time in defects. Uh, the Fulton County Department of Children and Family Services. It used to be uh, over there near um, where the old Fulton County Stadium is. Some of y'all may remember that stadium where uh, Hank Aaron, do y'all remember who Hank Aaron is? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, did his thing, um, but uh, was there until uh, the, the, um, the courts gave custody my, to my dad. Um, I went to a high school at, at North Fulton High School. That was, used to be in Buckhead, uh, right off of Peachtree Road there, right near Lenox Square. And um, that's now, um, it was combined with Northside Hospital, and I mean, hospital, Northside High School, and it's now called North Atlanta High. Some of you may have heard that. Uh, my school uh, is now what's called the Atlanta International School, and uh, it's where Christ Church uh, meets every Sunday for their worship. Um, I was introduced to the Good Shepherd uh, when I was 12 years old. Um, after my mom was arrested and went to live with my dad, uh, he attended a church, and at a summer camp up in the North Georgia mountains, um, I heard about Jesus. And uh, that's when I received him into my life. Uh, later, through the ministry of Young Life, um, I yielded my life to the Good Shepherd uh, when I was age 17. And since then, I have found the Good Shepherd to be all that the Scriptures say He is. Uh, a few years ago, as part of my spiritual disciplines, I memorized Psalm 23. And I've been studying it, been reflecting on it, um, praying it uh, throughout the week, and um, trying to apply it to different aspects of my ministry. Uh, in John 10, Jesus says that He's the Good Shepherd, and Psalm 23 illustrates the ministry of the Good Shepherd. I've actually put a picture of it, of uh, what's called Christ the Good Shepherd on my phone uh, to remind me, um, when I pick up my phone, to remind me that He's the Good Shepherd. 
but also to remind me to try to serve as a good shepherd. So I want to invite you to open with me to Psalm 23, and and let's examine this passage together. If you don't have your Bible, um, I think it's going to be on the screen, or you may uh, turn it on your phone. And let's look at this passage together, Psalm 23. Now the book of Psalms, uh, sometimes it's called the Psalter, um, um, as the whole book of Psalms is referred to. The book of Psalms is 150 prayers and praises that were often used in song and worship to God. In the days of the New Testament, in the days of the Old Testament, uh, people used these to worship the Lord. Uh, sometimes the Psalter is called the Psalms of David, because David, uh, the shepherd boy who became the king of Israel, actually wrote most of them. Uh, the, the word psalm is, is from a Greek word which means a poem set to music. Uh, and the, the Jewish title, or the Hebrew title of the Psalter was called Praises, or sometimes Book of Praises. Uh, Jesus would have prayed and, and sung these psalms. Uh, the book of Psalms would have been the song book of Jesus. It was his prayer book. He was brought up praying and singing these prayers, and they would often have been used in the synagogue and in the temple of the first century. And then in, for the past 2,000 years, the church, the Christian church, has used these written poems in our worship together. Many of our songs, many of our praise songs, hymns, heartfelt prayers come directly from the Psalms. Actually, we sang one this morning. We Anglicans still use the Psalms today in our worship, sometimes saying them, sometimes singing them. Well, Psalm 23 was written by David, who became the king of Israel. It's well known that he was a shepherd boy in Bethlehem, when God, the prophet, when God sent the prophet Samuel to anoint him as the king of Israel. And as a shepherd, he learned a lot about leadership, about servanthood, about people, about the wilderness, and most importantly, about the Lord. Charles Spurgeon, the great British pastor, wrote that this psalm was the pearl of psalms. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce, who was a Presbyterian pastor and scholar, he wrote this. Millions of people have memorized this psalm. Ministers have used it to comfort people who are going through severe personal trials, suffering illness or dying. For some, the words of this psalm have been the last they have uttered in life. This is an encouraging psalm. It's a comforting psalm and and it's a ministering psalm. It's a reminder that our God cares intimately for all our ways and all of our concerns. It tells us about the good shepherd. So look at verse 1. Verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. Now in this passage, David actually uses the name of God here. It's the translation of the word, if you remember the story about Moses, when when Moses went before the Lord, and Moses says, well, who am I to tell the people that you are? And he says, I am that I am. More than 4,000 times... In the Old Testament, this word is used to describe God. But when it's read, rather than using the actual name of God, the Hebrew people viewed it as so sacred, they would translate it as the Lord, Adonai, in its place. The Lord, God's name. Hear the words of James Montgomery Boyce. It's an inexhaustible name, like its bearer. Chiefly, it refers to God's timelessness. On one hand and to his self-sufficiency on the other. 
Self-sufficiency means that God needs nothing. He needs no wisdom from anyone else. He has all wisdom in Himself. He needs no power. He is all-powerful. He does not need to be worshipped, helped, or served, nor is He accountable to anyone. He answers only to Himself. That's a powerful name. You can always tell when this sacred name is used because our translations in the Bible always have Lord capitalized. Instead of capital L-O-R-D, it's capital L, capital O, capital R. That's this sacred name, but it's always pronounced the Lord. Well, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, this infinite transcendent one, is my shepherd, David says. He cares about me. Almighty God is concerned about my welfare. This is true of the good shepherd. Jesus cares about you, and he cares about me. Now, shepherds in most cultures were considered the lower class. If you were the youngest son in the family, guess what? You became the shepherd. It was a humble position to be in, and yet the shepherd's role was vitally important to the sheep for their welfare, for their safety, their protection, their food, their nurturing, their rescue. The very lives of the sheep depended on the shepherd. The shepherd cared for his flock day and night, 24 hours a day, every day of the week, every season of the year. He became intimately acquainted with each sheep in his herd. He would know their personalities. He'd know their sounds, good and bad. And they would know him. And they would know his voice. And they trusted his voice. Jesus took this image for God upon himself. Not only did he claim the name of God himself, I am that I am, in John 8, 58, but he also called himself the Good Shepherd. In John 10, chapter 10, we have the following. Jesus said, If you keep my commandments, whoops, I'm sorry, I have the wrong verse. There it is. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Lord is my shepherd, David says. Can you say that? The Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd is everything. All that I have needed is provided by him. All that I need, all that I want, all that I desire is provided by him. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your needs according to your riches according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. Philippians 4.19, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory 
in Christ Jesus. He's a good shepherd. All that I need is provided by him. Not all that I want, but all that I need. He's a good shepherd. Well, in the remainder of this psalm, David shares what the Lord provides. Um, But I want to go back. I, I think I've missed one piece here. Yes. The first verse says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. This means that that I will lack nothing that I need to be who I am in the Lord. The Book of Common Prayer 2019 uses a a revision of what's called the Coverdale Psalter, translated by C.S. Lewis and T.S. Eliot. And it translates this verse this way. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I can lack nothing. Therefore I can lack nothing. If you hear nothing else from the, the message this morning... Hear this, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I can lack nothing. The shepherd tended to the sheep's every need. As many Bible commentators have written, the sheep left to themselves are pretty helpless and dumb animals. Well, so it is with us humans, sadly to say. We need the Lord as our shepherd. Our needs and concerns as his sheep will be met. So, what are some of these things that the Lord provides? Well, let's look at verse 2. First we see the Lord provides rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. It's not easy to get sheep to lie down. Philip Keller, who served as a shepherd for a while and then he became a pastor, he writes this. It's almost impossible for the sheep to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. Owing to their timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free from all fear. Secondly, because the social behavior within a flock is such, they will not lie down unless they are free from friction with others of their kind. Number three, if tormented by flies or parasites, sheep will not lie down. Only when free from these pests can they relax. And four, lastly, he writes, sheep will not lie down as long as they are are free from, excuse me, sheep will not lie down as long as they are free in the need of finding food. They must be free from hunger. Doesn't that sound familiar? Can you rest when you're afraid? If, or can you rest if you have a broken relationship with somebody or if you're hungry? Or if you're surrounded by bugs like roaches? Remember one time we were celebrating 40 years. I remember early in our marriage... Uh, I get in, get in bed, and Allison's getting in the other side, and she pulls the cut, and there's a roach. And she says, I levitated out of the bed. It was just, just, <laughs> but but you, just can't, you just can't rest with these things. A.W. Tozier writes this about rest. The rest God offers is the rest of meekness, the blessed rest of relief which comes when we accept ourselves for what we are and cease to pretend. Jesus said it this way in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The Lord is my good shepherd, and he provides rest. Many of us are not at rest. Thomas Akempis wrote this. He said, The proud and covetous are never at rest. But the poor and humble in spirit pass their lives in the abundance of peace. Secondly, 
The Lord provides restoration and renewal. We see this in verse 3. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. The living of life, the temptations of sin, and the success of our work can lead us away from the Good Shepherd. Too many times we would rather eat in a dirty, parched field rather than the green pastures. So the Good Shepherd draws us from our wandering in the wilderness and brings a restoration to our lives, if we're willing. Ezekiel 34, verse 11 says this, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. The Lord seeks to restore you and I to fullness of life to renew us in our spirits and our soul, to be invigorated with life. Derek Kidner, in his work on Psalm 23, says this, The retrieving and reviving of the sheep pictures the deeper renewal of the man of God, however spiritually perverse or ailing he may be. And of course, Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 15. You've heard this, story, this parable before. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one who is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The Lord is my shepherd, and He's a good shepherd, and He seeks me out so that I might be restored and renewed in Him. When you stray from Him, the good shepherd will seek to find you and receive you back. A third thing we see that the Lord provides here is the Lord provides direction. Verse 3, part B. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Now that I'm His, one of His followers, actually His name's on the line. But the Good Shepherd leads us under these righteous paths, in the right way, in the godly way, in the good way. He leads and we follow. Oftentimes we don't want to follow But he leads, but we have to follow. Sometimes the path is not always easy. Actually, most of the time it's very challenging. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Or Psalm 32, verse 8 says this, The Lord speaking, He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way in which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. The good shepherd leads his flock. And the Lord is attempting to lead us to walk in his ways, the ways of righteousness. Then verse 4. We see the Lord provides rescue from danger. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord provides rescue from danger. 
in the canyons and the hill country around Bethlehem and in the Judean wilderness, the sun shines very bright. But the valleys are so deep that the sun, when it rises through midday and then toward the evening and afternoon, you have these deep valleys, but then the sun does this. Guess what? It creates big shadows down in the valley. And into these shady areas, wild animals will gather from the heat of the sun, but also to look for prey. They look for the vulnerable. And sheep are perfect targets. The shepherd keeps them safe as he travels through the valley. David himself had to kill a lion and a bear who were after his sheep. You may remember that story. And so he says that because the Lord is the shepherd... He will fear no evil as he walks through the valley of the shadow of death. Isaiah 50 verse 10 says this, Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Anglican priest John Newton who wrote Amazing Grace wrote this, God often produces the greatest good from those events we are apt to look at as evil. And then Jesus said in John 3, He said, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that that his works have been carried out by God. And of course we know Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but we'll have the light of light. Jesus' whole purpose coming to planet Earth was to rescue us from the danger, the devastation, and the death of sin. His death on the cross and His resurrection opened the way for all who believe to have forgiveness of sins and to have eternal life. We do not have to fear the evil in this world. And we can live with the promise that He will always be with us even to the end of the age. As Hebrews says, he will never leave us or forsake us. The fifth thing we see that he provides here is verse 5. The Lord provides a table prepared for us. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Keller, who we mentioned earlier, describes how table here was referring to the highlands or the mesas where the flocks would graze in the summertime. The shepherd would go ahead of the flock and prepare the table, removing any poisonous plants and running off wild animals, which might be enemies of the flock. And this way, when the flock arrived, it had a magnificent place to graze. He also points out that how the flies and other insects would torment the sheep and how the flies would seek to lay their eggs in the nasal cavity of the sheep. And if this occurs, the sheep goes nuts trying to get rid of the tormentors, deliberately beating their heads against trees or rocks or posts. The shepherd, however, would apply a mixture of oil and sulfur and spices to protect the sheep from the pest, anointing their heads and their ears and their noses and their faces. For the believer in Jesus, the good shepherd goes ahead of us in all our affairs. He not only applies the oil of His Holy Spirit again and again and again, but He cares enough to provide what we need to be nourished. 
Matthew Henry writes this. He says, God provides for His people not only food and rest, but refreshment and pleasure. That's how much our Good Shepherd cares for us. And then a sixth thing. The Lord provides His love on earth and eternity with Him in heaven. Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now the phrase here, goodness and mercy, is often translated in the Old Testament as His steadfast love. Steadfast love. While we are here on earth, our Good Shepherd is constantly expressing His love for us. As Romans 8.38 says, I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So while we're here on earth, His love is constantly around us. But it doesn't end there. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Good Shepherd leads us into paradise in heaven where His love will continue throughout all eternity. As Jesus said in John 14, verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to Myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus, our Good Shepherd, loves us and He cares for us. He provides for us, He protects us, and He leads us in the way of righteousness and eternal life to be with Him forever. So this morning, I've gone on and on about this Good Shepherd. Do you know this Good Shepherd? Does He know you? He said in John 10 that He knows His sheep and His sheep know Him. He does not force us to become His sheep, but to those who are willing, they find Him faithful, trustworthy, and a Good Shepherd. I know in my own life, I have. I mean, He took a messed up kid and He just transformed him. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. John 10.10 So today, ask Him for this life today. Ask Him to come into your life if He's not there. You will find Him to be a good, good shepherd. Let's pray. Actually, I'm going to pray again the prayer, this special prayer for this Sunday of the church year. O God, whose Son, Jesus Christ, is the Good Shepherd of Your people, grant that when we hear His voice, we may know Him who calls us each by name, and then follow where He leads, who with You and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen.